Hello, dear listeners, uh, and welcome to Mosquitoes Are Happy. Uh, you're hearing my voice alone right now because it's a little special uh, announcement about the following episode. Um, so because I am a very cool and smart person, um, I did not have my mic settings correct during the recording of the session, and the audio, therefore, is going to be a little bit wonky. Um, it's not the best audio quality in the world, um, but I tried to fix it as best I could so you could understand what me and my wonderful guest today, Yasmina, are saying for the most part. Um, if auto, audio quality is a thing that really bugs you, um, if you're an audio freak like I happen to be, um, and you can't seem, you can't, you know, justify uh, sitting around for an hour and a half of shitty audio, I highly, highly recommend that you skip forward until about 30 minutes into the episode um, and cut out all of the parts where I talk and I say useless nonsense drivel um, to our uh, section where we talk to our amazing guest, Yasmina, about um, Arab representation in Western film um, and Arab films in general. And we begin our discussion um, starting off with... Uh, the film Wonder Woman 1984, and then kind of going on from there. Uh, she's got a lot of really awesome, smart, cool, interesting, important things to say, um, and it's worth listening to, and it's worth suffering through a little bit of audio quality problems to hear. Um, and if you're a pain pig, if you're a glutton for punishment, feel free to listen to uh, this entire episode. Um, and uh, again, I apologize for the sound quality, and I promise that it maybe won't happen again. Uh, anyway, here's uh, episode five of Mosquitoes Are Happy. Oh, also, quick shout out. Um, we do have an email address uh, for questions, concerns, comments. Um, and we will read your emails on the air if you send it in. So send it to mosquitoesarehappy at gmail.com. Uh, without further ado, here's the episode. Thank you. Because I'm a stud. I'm ballsy. I don't oh, take no, 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 no shit from anyone. <laughs> Just since since the new year, I've, I've watched... Uh, pretty much two movies uh which were bridget jones one and bridget jones two uh, <laughs> <laughs> um Fantastic. which is and i'm honestly i won't lie i'm really stoked on the third one bridget jones's baby made like 10 <laughs> years later um which i uh, i had never seen any of them but i got i was just like oh shit uh i was yeah i was with my partner and i was like kind of kind of wanted to watch all three in one day but we only got to two um, there's only so much Renee Zellweger we can take. Yeah, I'm only think uh, I've only seen the first one. This yeah, is a trio. This is a block. This is a trio now. Bridget Jones, one, two, and three. <laughs> it's a program. Yeah, that's that's true. It's a real uh, it's a real roller coaster ride. You know. Yeah. It's it starts high like a roller coaster. I guess the roller coasters technically start low, but whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then and then we reach. Uh, so it starts starts with Bridget Jones' Diary, the original mm-hmm. OG, two thousand one, I believe, um, pre nine eleven, like three months before nine eleven. So when you know things were still good uh, on film, uh, <laughs> everyone was just you know the worst the the worst problems you had were like finding a man before you were like thirty five, I guess. Like that was the biggest <laughs> issue in the film. Before then, you were an old maid. Yeah, before your like parts fell off, I guess, um, <laughs> and then. And then Bridget Jones 2, which happens, uh, I, I think it's 2006, so, like, right before the financial collapse. Oh, my um, God. 
So, you know, uh, just, just, just an omen of, of bad things to come. Um, and I think Bridget Jones three is right before Trump getting elected. So oh. every time they come out with a Bridget Jones movie, like the world goes to shit. Uh, so I hope four doesn't happen because that's World War three. Hey, uh, it's me, Rena. Uh, I'm here with my friend, Yasmina, uh, which rhymes with my name, so that rules. <laughs> I've never said them out loud like that before. Uh, and I just discovered that. That kicks ass. Uh, <laughs> so how's it, uh, how's it going? It's good. Great. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh, I, I very much, I very much do know. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to, I'm excited to have you here and talk to you about, you know, uh, shit that's going on in the world and later a little bit about uh, Arab film. Uh, I'm actually super stoked. Yeah, um, I'm excited yeah. too. Cool. Um, so yeah, let's, uh, let's, I feel like, uh, I feel like a lot of news has been going on, but I always feel like that because um, that's just the, the life we lead these days. Um, news just keeps on happening. And it's happening faster than ever, folks. Yeah, um, I I don't know. I can't keep up. You, you sent me the things we were going to talk about today. And I realized I had seen reference to all of them in tweets. But yeah. I never... <laughs> but I couldn't keep up with what was actually happening. Oh, absolutely. It's it's like, uh, it's like you know, staring at the, at, the, at the screen with the... In the Matrix with all the sort of like code coming down. And just yeah. sort of like watching it glance off my brain. Uh, <laughs> speaking of news, <laughs> I I am drunk with power with these like <laughs> little sound stings. It's so horrible. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, so tomorrow, January 6th, Wednesday, January 6th, uh, is going to be a big day as far mm-hmm. as uh, politics uh, and uh, general social unrest in our nation's beautiful capital, uh, Washington D.C. So this is a this is a segment I have uh, entitled "Escape from D.C." because I couldn't uh, think of anything better to name it. Um, but now I'm just imagining like like uh, the Proud Boys as like a Snake Plissken character, and <laughs> so it's a little cursed. Um, but yeah, so this uh, this is coming from. Oh, this is Politico. <laughs> Fuck it. All right, cool. So this is coming from Political. Polit. Ah. Okay, edit this whole part out. This is coming from Politico. Uh, congressional and DC officials are bracing for clashes in the streets on Wednesday when dozens of GOP lawmakers will launch an attempt to challenge the election results. President Donald Trump has encouraged his hardcore supporters. Uh, you know, like uh, classic. Um, uh, you know, 80, 81 hardcore supporters, not like UK 84 shit, like a bunch of posers um, <laughs> <laughs> who have framed January 6th as a battle akin to the American Revolution and encouraged each other to bring firearms to march in protests, uh, to march in the protests in hopes of pressuring Congress to keep him in power. Uh, Trump himself says he plans to attend, along with far right groups such as the Proud Boys, a far right pseudo gang. 
Uh, several of the president's most loyal Hill allies and other MAGA figures are also slated to speak at Wednesday's Stop the Steal rally. Um, also, additionally, recently, the leader of the Proud Boys, Enrique Tarrio, has been arrested uh, for allegedly uh, stealing <laughs> and <laughs> burning a Black Lives Matter flag from a uh, D.C. church in uh, a rally uh, this December. Um, and when he was arrested, he was also charged with um, uh, two other counts of uh, illegal weapons modification possessions. Um, so that's been a sort of thing that's been roiling the Proud Boys themselves. Um, also, additionally, tomorrow in D.C., uh, many lawmakers and senior aides uh, privately say they're spooked by the growing safety threats gripping, gripping Capitol Hill this week. Uh, those fears have become so acute that the House's sergeant at arms, which I did not know existed, uh, <laughs> sent a memo Monday urging lawmakers to traverse the underground tunnel network rather than the public streets. Also did not know that tunnel network uh, existed. I feel um, like I like had a passing knowledge of it. He, I mean, I, I suppose it, it, it makes sense. Like I wouldn't, yeah. uh, I'm not, I'm not shocked that it exists, but uh <laughs> It's definitely a little, a little spooky. Um, but apparently this runs uh, counter to the strategy most members have adopted to limit their risk to the coronavirus um, across the sprawling Capitol Hill campus. Um, and so uh, at a time when many uh, thousands of Americans are dying of coronavirus every day, including Luke Letlow, a recently elected GOP member, uh, anxiety is rising in the House as a handful of members, such as conservative uh uh, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, from Georgia have refused to wear their masks on the floor. Um, if you don't know who Marjorie Taylor Greene is, I recommend looking her up. She is absolutely wild. Um, she uh, her her ad um, <clears throat> her ads for her uh, House of Repre Representative run um, include her uh, shooting. Um, words that she doesn't like like on screen with an assault rifle uh she also, also has this. yeah she also has some QAnon connections as well she's she's since disavowed QAnon, uh but uh her stances along the lines of oh well you know i'm not i'm not part of QAnon, but uh you know they're asking some good questions um so yeah so unsurprisingly she's not wearing a mask on the floor um she does also, own lawmakers. a stop the steel mask is what I'm seeing from She's, Google images. The, the, uh, the image I saw was a sort of like shiny rhinestone emblazoned Trump uh, face mask um, that she has that. pulled down over her chin. Uh, it's like, what's the point, my guy? Um, <laughs> but yeah, so lawmakers also need to confront the threat of a potential super spreader event again on Wednesday during a joint session of Congress where Republicans will dispute the Electoral College results, which is going to be a rad time, um, forcing hundreds of uh, members to sit in the chamber together for what could turn into an all-nighter, um, which I'm assuming includes, you know, popcorn, sleeping bags, mani-pedis, uh, if GOP lawmakers object to a series of Biden's electoral wins. Uh, so yeah, it sounds like they're just doing great down there. Uh, we have yeah. chaos in the streets, Chaos in the halls of power. Um, Marjorie Taylor Greene is sneezing on everyone. Uh, <laughs> it's just, it's just a good, it's a really good time. Um, it's, it's news like this that makes me firmly uh, believe that uh, politics is essentially Veep. 
uh, the television show. <laughs> uh, and yeah, um, so I'm, I'm excited to keep my eye on what happens. By the time this episode comes out, uh, I'm sure either uh, this will be old news and everything will be boring and nothing interesting will have happened or like, you know, Mitch McConnell will have dropped dead, uh, you know, on C-SPAN. Uh, and um, <laughs> yeah, uh, a parody. Uh, but if he were to parody himself live on TV, um, we would uh, be uh, parody ecstatic uh, and would parody light off fireworks and run around the streets of uh, Bushwick semi-naked. Yes, um, I shouldn't forget that I am Arab and Muslim and the FBI is probably tracking me. Parody. <laughs> parody, parody in Minecraft. Um, absolute comedy hour. <laughs> oh, boy. So, yeah, um, you know, tomorrow, January 6th, it's going to be an awesome day. Uh, I'm looking forward uh, to the news. I'm looking forward to whether uh, the steal uh, is stopped. Um, I, uh, you know, my bets, my bets are on that it won't be. Uh, mm-hmm. My bets are on that that uh, Republicans will have a very difficult time insisting that Trump won. But, you know, who knows these days? It's 2021, baby. It's a new year. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, <laughs> I don't even have any words. I just, this <laughs> makes me want to bang my head against the wall. Love watching well, the rise of fascism in our country. Who, who knew it would be so slow and silly and blatant, you know? Because <laughs> yeah. it, 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 feels, it feels bad, right? Because it's, it is just authoritarianism creeping into the, every, every sort of uh, uh, a corner of power. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like, I don't know. I, like, I feel like in the past, um, it was because people were either, leaders were either charismatic or very or very politically savvy or sneaky yeah um, and this just feels humiliating because they're mm-hmm. all fucking idiots mm-hmm. <laughs> and they, they they're just failing their way into fascism <laughs> um so that's that's a good time we love to see it folks yeah <laughs> uh speaking of um oh boy how am i going to do this transition a just uh <laughs> speaking of bad things <laughs> I, I got there eventually um uh we're gonna talk a little bit about uh israel's vaccination efforts and who and who they are not vaccinating um i saw a lot of uh buzz about this on twitter lately um because israel's being sort of held up as a standard bearer for a an effective vaccine rollout and a sort of uh, technocratic solution to the problems of COVID. Um, and I thought this was, uh, especially with what we are going to talk about a little later, uh, important to point out that, um, you know, uh, the using Israel as an example and as a torchbearer for the effective COVID rollout ignores a huge part of the story. Um, so uh, this is coming at us from The Guardian. Um, Currently, Israel is celebrating a record-setting vaccination drive, having given initial uh, jabs of coronavirus shots to more than one-tenth of the population. The numbers I'm seeing are around one in nine, it looks like. Um, But Palestinians in the Israeli-occupied West Bank and Gaza can only watch and wait. 
Israel's been transporting batches of the Pfizer uh, biotech vaccine deep inside the West Bank, but they're only distributing it to Jewish settlers and not the roughly 2.7 million Palestinians living around them who may have to wait for weeks or months. Two days into its, or sorry, two weeks into its vaccination campaign, Israel is administering more than 150,000 doses a day, uh, amounting to initial jabs for more than 1 million of its 9 million citizens, a higher proportion of the population than anywhere else. Uh, Vaccine centers have been set up in sports stadiums and central squares. People over 60, healthcare workers, uh, carers, and high-risk populations have priority, while young, healthier people who walk into clinics are sometimes rewarded with surplus stock to avoid the waste of unused files. Uh, The Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, has told Israelis that the country could be the first to emerge from the pandemic. Uh, Though meanwhile, the cash-strapped Palestinian Authority, which maintains limited self-rule in the territories, is rushing to get vaccines. One official suggested, perhaps optimistically, that shots could arrive uh, within the next two weeks. However, when asked for a time frame, um, Ali Abed Rabot, General, uh, Director General of the Palestinian Health Ministry estimated the first vaccines would probably arrive in February. Um, and that's when the first vaccines would arrive, not to say how long the rollout itself would take. Israeli officials have suggested that they might provide surplus vaccines to Palestinians and claim they are not responsible for Palestinians in the West Bank and Gaza, pointing to a 1990s era interim agreements Uh, that required the authority to observe international vaccination standards. However, those deals were uh, premised on a fuller peace agreement within five years, an event that obviously never occurred. Uh, Almost three decades later, Israeli, Palestinian, and international rights groups have accused Israel of dodging moral, humanitarian, and legal obligations as an occupying power during the pandemic. Um, So yeah, I think we're going to see a lot more of this. uh, obviously, we're already seeing a lot of unequal uh, access to vaccines and unequal distribution of vaccines. Um, but I think it's particularly interesting that Israel's sort of being used as an example of something other countries should look up to um, and conveniently leaving out the fact that uh, perhaps a lot of the success of this uh, vaccine rollout is premised on the fact that, uh, you know, um, it is being applied so unequally. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, not, not even unequally. That would, that would, that would imply that Israel's doing anything to assist uh, the <laughs> West Bank and Gaza, you know? Um, yeah. I don't know. It struck me as, as, as very much of a, is Israel wants to be a, a legitimate, you know, ruler of, of the occupied territories when it, when it's convenient and when it's not convenient, they don't, you know, um, yep. it's uh yeah, hypocrisy in yeah. action. I don't know. Well, how, can, how are you feeling about it? Oh, uh, that is how I'm feeling. They can, <laughs> oh, they have, they don't do anything, you know, whatever. They, Palestinians have self-rule until Palestinians try to travel, try to move within, you know, between their two territories, within uh, portions of uh, their own country. Um, <laughs> you know, the... Jewish Israeli settlers can come and move into Palestinian territories, but oh, oh, we can't give them a vaccine. Also, like, wouldn't it if if you if Israel truly cared, like, putting aside like a lot of the 
politics, let's say, if Israel truly, truly was worried for its population when it comes to COVID and wanted to see itself be the first, you know, country out of the pandemic or whatever, um, you have to also vaccinate Palestinians because there are Israelis living in on Palestinian in Palestinian territories and Palestinians working in what is you know considered Israel. Your people are mingling. You can't separate them like any more than they have, but they're 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 mingling, and you know, and and you've got your IDF soldiers like doing checkpoints and shit like that. Like, yeah, I could say a lot about about that, but just talking about specifically COVID and the vaccine, like the if they actually cared, they would give it to everybody, but they don't actually care. They only care about, like, I don't even think they really truly care about their own people in this, in this sure. instance. I mean, they seem to be really, this sort of idea uh, seems to be shooting themselves in the foot in, in a way, you know. Um, it, it, it does seem, yeah, yeah, politics aside, very, incredibly counterintuitive. Um, you know, obviously the two territories are integrated to an extent that no, I mean, you can put up walls, you can put checkpoints in, you can institute all of these different forms of control and monitoring of populations, mm-hmm. but that is, that's just what they are. They're control and monitoring of populations like this. Yeah. The, the, the two ter- the or three, uh, well, the, all of the territories <laughs> are, are integrated economically and socially to the extent that, you know, you can't, you can't completely block them off from each other. And, and if you did like it, like Israel wouldn't even want to do that, you know, what yeah. they would, you know, and what the, so what they tried to do is, is, you know, institute measures of monitoring and, 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 uh, control and other forms of surveillance. Um, but, uh, yeah, it does seem, it does seem to me that that will come back to bite them in the ass later. Um, yeah. the only, the only sort of like, you know, super cynical take I would have on it is that, you know, the inequality, Sometimes, you know, you you could see a situation in which um, COVID vaccination inequality could lead to further excuses to isolate, monitor, and disenfranchise um, occupied yeah. populations. You know, uh-huh. and you know, it, it, it you know, Israel has no problem yeah. balking at international law anyway. But you could see a situation mm-hmm. in which it would just give them another excuse to violate the human rights of of people that they that the state already views as as um you know not not only like non non citizens but non you know non people yeah. um and oh, a, 100%. To dehumanize yeah. them you mm-hmm. know and to uh justify all sorts of things so that's um and and that, that's not just in Israel you know the that's the mm-hmm. thing i worry about with the um unequal distribution of the vaccine um and proportionally like poor communities of color is this that that's just a, another way for uh you know the state to disenfranchise them um yep. and to isolate them um so that's uh that's that's not an awesome trend um i was seeing information as well i would have to go and, and sort of double check this but i was seeing claims to that in in the 20s with the uh influenza epidemic that they were 
vaccinize, vaccin, vaccinizing, vaccinating people, (laughs) (laughs) vaccinating people, um, at a much higher rate than we are now, even with our greater ability to communicate and like, and all sorts of new technology, like I, yeah, there's so many other factors at play, I think, slowing that down for us. Yeah, that would be interesting. Maybe if she, I should look and do that further. But yeah, like the sort of why why are fewer people getting vaccinated now than they were in, in the 20s when, yeah, clearly uh, the vac- not only has vaccine technology like caught up, but like, uh, yeah. you know, refrigeration technology, transport technology, all this kind of stuff. Like, yeah, and like communication to like tell mm-hmm. people where to go and all these things like, yeah. Yeah, it's almost, yeah. It's it points to it being a political problem, you know, because mm-hmm. we clearly have the means to do it, you know, for the most part. Um, and uh, yeah, <sighs> so that's fun. <laughs> but speaking of speaking of let's let's transition to something a little a little more a uh, little more uplifting, yeah. a little lighter. I don't know if it's uplifting, but it's it's cops being stupid. So um, that's always really fun. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, this section, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna check into our cryptid watch. So this is, uh, this is coming at us, uh, out of, uh, just around Portland, Oregon. Um, uh, the other day, the Malt, oh boy, that's a name. The Maltima, <laughs> Malt, Maltnoma, Maltnoma, Malt, Maltnoma. I'm gonna call yeah, it Maltnoma. I think- I think Maltnoma's right. Yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah, well, we're going to get a bunch of angry Oregonians uh, in the uh, in the DMs for this one. But, um, you know, fuck them. Like, what are you going to do? <laughs> you know, what? Are you going to throw voodoo donuts at me? You know, but, <laughs> come on. What? What? Oh, you're going to you're going to uh, rain on me. I don't know anything about Oregon. <laughs> um, <laughs> but this comes from the Maltnoma County Sheriff's Office Facebook page. Um, so this is uh, this is from them. Uh, this morning, we received a call from a Southwest Portlander who reported seeing a big cat with, quote unquote, spots in an elevated position off the road in the Green Hills neighborhood. The caller said the animal looked like a cheetah, but did not appear to be aggressive. Big cats are not uncommon in this area. Cougars have been spotted in the West Hills periodically over the years, but a possible cheetah, this was new for us. Our West Side deputy responded to the area looking for the big cat. On his way, he notified the Oregon Zoo since the neighborhood was not far far from there. They reported no missing animals. When Deputy Sullivan arrived, he carefully approached the woods. Then he saw what he thought was the cat. Deputy Sullivan (laughs) said he snuck up on the animal, which I would give millions (laughs) of dollars to see. (laughs) And that, of course, it sat there dumbfounded, and I was able to get... uh, Oh, of course, it sat there dumbfounded that I was able to get so close for a couple photos that's it must be a typo cops are stupid um turns out here's here's the here's the punch uh turns out it was a stuffed animal uh <laughs> incredible absolutely yeah. incredible good <laughs> uh to give the neighbor credit the description was spot on <laughs> which i think was an attempt at a pun and if so like uh you know four to ten it's fine um <laughs> And a cheetah in the Southwest Hills would have would have caused great panic. Yes, I'm I'm sure it would have. Uh, humor aside, we appreciate this neighbor for reporting what they believe was a serious concern to threat and threat to life's 
life safety in their neighborhood. So they used a hyphenated word called life safety. Life safety. Which is, which is I mean, that's cop speak if I ever heard it. Yeah. Um, we encourage all of you to report crimes or anything that you may find is out of the ordinary or suspicious. We are here to serve you and we will always risk our lives for the community's safety. Thank you so much. That oh, is <laughs> so brave to sneak up on this stuffed animal. Um, we're relieved <laughs> to report that this wasn't more serious. Um, so I've attached, uh, I've, I've attached a little picture of this, of the stuffed animal that's just sitting on a log. Uh, Yasmina, do you want to, you want to give me your take on this bad boy? Um, I love him. Um, I'm, I'm <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the cheetah, not the cop. Um, no. <laughs> Um, I had a stuffed tiger that was very similar to this, but not this Aww. big. Um, but it, yeah, it's one of those life-size, like sitting big cat stuffed yeah. animals with the lankiest front legs I've ever seen. <laughs> Super lanky. They're, they're in a very, uh, they're curved over the log that it's placed on in a very unnatural sort yeah. of way. Like if this were a wild cheetah, number one, it looks kind of more like a leopard, right? I don't know. What's the yeah. difference between a che- don't cheetahs have black spots? This one has like brown splotchy spots. Yeah. Uh, speaking uh, of cats, my cat is asking to get out. So um, of my bedroom, you, you so I'm just going to open out. the door. Uh, I thought my door was going to be noisy, but it wasn't. <laughs> it's totally fine. Bye, TJ. All right. Oh, bye, uh, TJ. <laughs> um. I'm looking yeah. at I'm looking at images of cheetahs now, and they totally have black spots, and they're more yellow. This is not a cheetah. Yeah, that's a leopard. They have like black spots with like yellowy middle. Oh, this like golden. is totally a leopard. Do you think um Do you think they'd respond well if I if I wrote in to them like to the, <laughs> <laughs> the sheriff's department of the suburb of Portland, uh, and I was like, hey, you know, I noticed this. I noticed the story. Um, unfortunately, you were incorrect about the breed of stuffed animal. Um, you know, should take your jobs a little more seriously, folks. You know what this is making me realize is that a lot of things we label as cheetah print are actually leopard print. Leopard print. Yeah. Yeah. Also, <laughs> I am <laughs> on the Google image. <laughs> uh, for leopard. <laughs> uh oh. Oh no. Oh um, no. And I came across a morph suit. <laughs> no. Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> a leopard print morph suit, like those green morph suits yeah. that usually like don't have any openings, but this has a tail and ears and oh. holes for the eyes and mouth. Oh. And it's the funniest thing. <laughs> oh no! I'm I'm. Pl- <laughs> Wait, send me that uh, link. <laughs> I will send it to you. Oh my goodness! I can't stop laughing. And he's standing I searched, in different. I, I searched leopard animals. morph, um, <laughs> but the only thing that came up was <laughs> was uh, an animorphs uh, book cover <laughs> where the little girl is like morphing into. Oh my god! <laughs> Why does this have like strike me with like oh this is you know podcast is a notoriously visual medium, um, but <laughs> yeah, this <sorry>. is like <laughs> oh this is one of the more upsetting things I've seen in a while. 
I'm probably going to put you, this in show notes. Do you think, do you think it's for sex? I, I can't imagine that this wouldn't be for sex. <laughs> There's no fucking way. Thank you for, thank you for taking us down. The, There's a Totoro one. Oh God, this is horrible. This is from a user named Charles who, um, oh dear God, who rated it five stars. Awesome suit. Great for working out in. Will make you sweat. <laughs> or wear underclothes in winter to keep you warm. And it will, it's like a spandex, but with a low percentage number of spandex, maybe max 5%. So you want to get it tailored by Milanu because widthwise it will stretch some, but lengthwise very little. I did my own hands and feet removal. <laughs> I have other full cat suits in solid colors, but this is just super sexy. Uh, super sexy is capitalized. Amazing. Someone said the fabric is Lycra and he is very elastic. <laughs> All right, uh, so let's uh, let's uh, transition into um, talking about some <laughs> Arab film and Arab representation in film. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I guess for context for your listeners, yes, I am please. Arab, and I um, am the blog editor for the Arab Film and Media Institute. Um, I have been Hell there yeah. five years now uh i don't remember i've lost track of time but um <laughs> what are you yeah, anymore really i i don't know um <laughs> so i wanted uh to when when marina asked me to talk about arab film i wanted to find a way to narrow it down because that's a very big uh Thing to talk about the Arab world consists of quite a few countries um, plus a diaspora um, and lucky for me um, a wonderful <laughs> representation yeah. of misrepresentation sure. came out recently known as Wonder Woman 1984 um, and uh, I will say at the top that I have not seen it um, so I don't want to talk about that movie specifically too much, mm-hmm. um, but I wanted to use it as a jumping off point to talk about how badly Arabs and Muslims are, it's, they're very closely tied in this case, um, mm-hmm. are represented, uh, misrepresented, stereotyped in Western film. Hell yeah. So, um yeah, so I, I don't know. I don't know if you know this. I don't know how you would. Um, but I, I, I managed to procure a copy of the film uh, in which I, I did not have to, um, shall I say, uh, uh, compensate anyone. Um, you watched it in a way that, uh, that uh, met BDS standards. <laughs> Absolutely. That, like, that, let's just put it like that. Um, <laughs> They so certainly wasn't going to shell out any any money for this this piece no. of trash. Um, I did not shell out for the first movie either because of I its star. So I think I I think I watched that one on an airplane. Um, okay. uh, which is an uh, it's a perfect airplane movie because because for me a good airplane movie is a movie that sucks so much that it makes being on an airplane pleasant. Like by comparison, <laughs> um, and I would put definitely put the first Wonder Woman solidly in that category. Uh, I was like, I was like, wow, like 
you know, this crying baby in the corner is a lot more charming than Gal Gadot. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so anyway, I, I downloaded this bad boy and I watched, I would say like 90% of it. I didn't, I haven't finished the last like 20 minutes. Um, it's so fucking long. Like yeah, that's like, I've, mm-hmm. first, right off the bat, this movie sucks. Like it is terrible. That's what I've heard. I've heard like quality wise, like racism and stereotyping not included I, like the writing's bad the acting's bad the absolutely like she, she, gal gadot is not a good actor i don't know <laughs> why she's in any of these she can barely speak her lines she's pretty uh, she's pretty that's why sh- sure so are lots of people that it's baffling to me this movie is 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 trash it's so so bad it's not even fun trash and and uh, once we get to the the parts that do take place in um, in the Middle East and Egypt specifically, it's just baffling. Whoa. It's one of the most inept sort of um, problematic portrayals of like Arabs in the Middle East that I've ever seen in, in my life. You know, I, I've seen. Yeah. I mean, I and I've watched the Indiana Jones films. Yeah, I've 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 watched a lot of, but like in 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 twenty twenty to be this. Uh, uh, stumblingly unaware of what you're doing is is wild. I mean, yeah. Even just a, a, a just a, a glancing knowledge of 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 um, anything about like the Arab world and Arab countries is mm-hmm. is is completely lacking. I mean, at one point they're trying to sell oil to Saudi Arabia, who notoriously <laughs> has nothing. Oh, it's so a funny. desert. Who only has stuff because they have oil. Um, it is, <laughs> oh, it's baffling so to me. It's, it's so yeah. dumb, you know? And, and so, yeah, um, I, I did, I did subject myself to uh, this movie and the scene, this, you know, uh, the scenes that take place um, specifically in, in Egypt. Uh, yeah. Because um, yeah, I just wanted to see and, and goddamn, it is, it, it's truly upsetting and shocking. This is not the only film in the U.S. at least uh, to come out in the last couple of years that is like pretty fucking egregious when it comes to um, uh, Arab representation, um, and it's baffling. Like you said, like I wrote uh, a piece uh, for the blog that I sent to you. <clears throat> yeah. Excuse me. Um, doing like the most basic of basic, like what is media representation? And I wrote it, I want to say four years ago. And the way I framed it was about how we are kind of slowly but surely on the up and up. Um, We've been seeing a lot more discourse about the importance of representation, more nuanced discourse about the importance of, uh, good representation and and that by that i mean like nuanced representation not just like there there are bad people in every country country culture race religion uh but it's about how you handle um those characters good or bad that's important to being good representation um yeah and i wrote this whole piece about it and here we are actually i guess this has a I think that was, yeah, four years ago, I think. Um, here we are four years later. Um, we get yet another 
blatantly like racist and stereotypical representation of, of not just Arabs in this film. I, to my understanding, there is a character who is supposed to be Nigerian, but he's played by an Indian actor with a really bad faux locks. And he says something about thinking he was Maya. Um, and he doesn't even say it right. <laughs> he says Mayan, which is the language. Like, it, it's incredible because we are having more conversations about this stuff and things are slowly ticking upwards. But every once in a while, we get not just like one step back, but a big leap back. Um, it feels Absolutely. like. Yeah, I, at that and that, that just sort of drilled drilled the message home to me uh, in this in this movie, having unfortunately watched it. Um, that, 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 you know, this film had to like, it, it's not that one person, you know, made this and, and just kind of like send it out into the world instantly like a YouTube video. Like hundreds yes. of people have been, you know, must have looked over not only the film, but like the script and, and, and the casting and et cetera, et cetera. Like, and and so and so for something something so like in like inanely like confusingly bizarre as a as an Indian actor with like yeah a horrible sort of like like faux like like really 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 bad eighties head shop like dread wig um, yeah. to to be talking about how he was like Maya in a past life. Like it's it, that I like my jaw was open while I was watching that. I was like, what is going on? Like, is, is the director having a stroke? Like what is happening in this scene? Um, yeah. It, you know, it is really frustrating too, is there yeah. was an Arab American writer on this film. Yeah. I mean, and this is, I, this is unfortunately not the first time I've seen that in, in Arab American film, I would say, um, the uh, I've been on one other podcast, uh, a, a podcast called the Tony Awards that talks about Tony Collette movies. Shout and out. we, <laughs> I was on the episode about Towelhead, um, which is oh yeah, you were telling me about this a while back. <laughs> yeah, because I don't I know was, anything about this movie, but oof, magoof, the the name alone, it's it's bad. Uh, highly do not recommend. It's about a young girl who is Arab American. Yeah, okay, yeah. Her father is Lebanese. And if I remember correctly, the actor is actually Lebanese. Yeah. Peter uh Macdisi. I don't I don't know if that's how you pronounce his last name. And mm-hmm. he is married or whatever, I guess he just says partnered here, but he is with the director of that film who I think wrote it to, no, he didn't write it, but he directed that film. And there's an Arab guy, a Lebanese guy starring in it. Yeah. I wonder if it almost makes so, like a, like someone like that more bold, you know, cause they can be like, Oh no, look like I, you know, the classic, I have black friends sort of excuse, you know, Oh yeah. no, I've got an Arab husband or whatever. Yeah. Um, and he was in the movie. So how could it have been? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, and there there um, were act, Arab actors in this Wonder Woman movie, but also yeah, the reality yeah. for Arab actors is that um, 
you know, you have one of two options. The rules are by and large racist and either you put an actual Arab person in that role and they deal with being their own stereotype or uh, they don't get that role. And it's even worse because it's played by, you know, probably a white dude or something. Um, It's very frustrating. Um, Especially a movie that holds itself so highly as a feminist work as Wonder Woman does. I'm, I'm sort of like, yeah, you know, I'm not glad I, I, I could have watched the fucking, or I read the, the plot, <laughs> you know, summary, but like, it, it really wasn't it, to me. Like it struck me as like, yeah, gr- girls doing stuff isn't inherently feminist, you know, like yeah. <laughs> not, only, not only is it not really like, it, it's clearly not, it doesn't have any sort of, basis of like an expansive vision of intersectional feminism but it just didn't strike me as like particularly authentic it's it 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 it, this the sort of brand of feminism that like like people thought feminism was you know in the 70s and 80s you know it's just sort of like oh like women like kicking ass and lifting weights and um, you know, what, what else, what else are some women's issues? Oh, I don't know. Like street harassment. Yeah. Okay. So we'll put that, you know what I mean? Like it, it just, yeah. it felt, it felt very like, um, it like an eight year old's conception of like what, <laughs> what feminism is like, it truly was, it was almost like insulting and like, um, you know, uh, sort of like patronizing in a way it, it truly yeah. like, I, I, I don't see how you can not watch this um even from like a feminist angle and just be totally um uh disillusioned with you know um hollywood big budget liberal feminism Mm -hmm. yeah um, i've heard that like this sort of type of feminism referred to just like as like girl power feminism uh where like you're like oh like women can also be a superhero and like that's as far as your thought process goes there you go it's like great like yeah we'd love to see women be superheroes because most of our you know superhero representation is men it'd be nice to see some women on the screen excuse me on the screen being strong you know sure helping people but uh could we have some more nuance to that (laughs) like and that alone is not inherently feminist and it's like yeah it, it dives dealt like it's very close to what we also refer to as white feminism where it's not intersectional um and the racism in it being one of the many ways that it's not intersectional um so i was thinking maybe i could point out some things that I've heard about the problems with um, Wonder Woman. And then I could talk about like the common stereotypes of Arabs and in um, American film and media. Um, Yeah. Because there is parallels, believe it or not, (laughs) it is like a textbook. Um, So, so the things that I heard about, I'm going to keep reiterating that I have not actually seen the movie. Um, back you up. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Um, so we have, uh, 
a couple, well, so first of all, a lot of it takes place in Egypt. The part that takes place in the Arab world takes place in Egypt. And I've heard just on the base level of the portrayal of 1980s Egypt uh, is bad. They portray them as uneducated, uncivilized, like stuck in the past. Um, did you notice that or? I mean, absolutely. It looked, um, it looked like, uh, it, it looked like something that could have just been on the set of like, could have been a set for an Indiana Jones film, like yeah. very, um, sort of like, uh, you know, scene opens like an Ood plays in the background. Um, yeah. you know, uh, it's very dusty. Uh, people are like haggling, um, you know, there's, uh, it's, it's just that very much that vibe, you know, doesn't, yeah. it doesn't show <laughs> Egypt as what it is a city of like, what, like 20 fucking million people, like one of the <laughs> biggest cities in the world. Um, yeah. a huge, like metropolitan area, like, um, exactly with like, you know, it, modern looks, it looks things. like a dusty little town, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ridiculous. Um, that, that city should have been crowded. It should have been full of honking cars. It should have been full of music. Um, so already there, you see that a lot. I guess I can, I'll start by tying some of these to common stereotypes and then I can talk about a few more. Yeah. Um, so I, for reference, um, a lot of what I know about uh, Arab stereotyping beyond being Arab and knowing what's not true, um, <laughs> I, get, <laughs> I get from the teachings of Dr. Jack G. Shaheen, um, who uh, is a professor and has written a lot about these things. Um, if anyone listening is interested, he has a book. I actually have it here. If we want to look up any other racist American movies, it's called Real Bad Arabs, How Hollywood Vilifies a People. Uh, it's basically an encyclopedia of over 100 films and their representation of Arabs and Muslims. Uh, there's also a corresponding documentary uh, by the same name. Uh, and he has a couple other books about this. Um, I also use a website called Arab Face, um, which is like the equivalent to blackface or yellowface or something like that, uh, that has like a really easy breakdown. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> so first and foremost, this portrayal of Egypt is what Dr. Shaheen refers to as the quote unquote Arab land uh, which is a fictional representation of the Arab world that is pretty much always dusty. It's always the desert. Um, it's always ominous, threatening, and usually the people are sort of barbaric or, you know, old-fashioned, not modern, not Western. Um, so it sounds like the portrayal in this film is spot on Arab land. Um, I know they do point to it specifically being Egypt. A lot of films don't, um, sure. Like point to real countries. Yeah. Yeah. Or completely made up like in Aladdin. Sure. But, um, you also have, um, a couple pretty outrageous stereotypes of, uh, of Arab men, uh, being, terrorists as well as rich and greedy and oil hungry. Um, I believe there's an Arab Emmer. Um, yes. Who uh, 
what does he say? He says something about like the heathens and I don't know, stupid fucking stereotype. <laughs> so and this I guess there's a, a major yeah. plot point. Um, essentially, there is a character who's the villain who yeah. can grant people wishes. Um, oh which, no, I didn't know that. <laughs> I know, I know. I mean, we could talk about that later, I guess. The dumbest <sighs> fucking plot point ever. So yeah, a villain can grant people wishes. Although this guy yeah. is not Arab, right? So it's we, at least we don't have to go down that road. Okay, um, okay. And in order to uh, seal a deal with this um, emir, uh, who uh, apparently, again, is like has a lot of oil and is selling it to Saudi Arabia, um, which I still think is hilarious. Um, he wants to grant him a wish. And the emir's wish uh, is that his ancestral homelands or something along those lines are returned to him and that all the quote-unquote heathens walking on it are yes. forcefully expelled. I am As, seeing, I found the screenshots. It says yeah. all, of, all of my land to be returned Sure. And for all the heathens who dared trout upon it to be kept out forever. And as this happens, a giant wall magically appears around mm-hmm. uh, around his ancestral land, which is like never elaborated on. It's it's you're supposed to know that you I guess you're just supposed to assume that this is like these are sort of like, oh, primitive uh, Arab peoples who have all these tribal disputes, you know. Like, yeah. and, and they don't really go into it any further. And so there's a big wall around his, his part of Egypt. And, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's fucked and, and bizarre. Yeah. Oh, great. <laughs> Love to yeah. see it. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a character that, that Dr. Shaheen refers to as the sheik. Um, they're not always a sheik or an emir, but, uh, or, you know, someone of royalty and power, but they're always rich. They're always greedy, violent, oil hungry. Um, and more often than not, they're like lecherous and misogynistic, um, Mm -hmm. in more stereotypical and older portrayals, they'd have their harem. They'd probably go after the beautiful white, Western woman because their harem does not satisfy them. They might trick her. You know, a lot of the stereotypes we see uh, similar to like black, other black and brown men and white women, um, you know, they're always trying to, uh, to trick the white woman into becoming their sex slave. Yeah. Um, This is obviously not, from what it sounds like, not that as uh, egregious in its misogyny, uh, but... Well, we didn't see the deleted scenes. Who knows? That's like, true. <laughs> that's true. Uh, I, it's hard to imagine that this fucking three and a half hour movie had deleted scenes, but who knows? <laughs> um, I also hear that there is a sort of terrorist style character. Um, someone uh, described him as wearing... Uh, Mujahideen style outfit, Mujahideen being the guerrilla fighters in Islamic countries, Islamic extremist uh, groups. Um, So a man in this style outfit wishing for nuclear weapons. So you've got your terrorist character. Um, And then uh, the big thing, everyone loves their favorite piece of racism is uh, the, the white savior 
that is Wonder Woman. As a this scene, I have seen um, a caravan of Egyptian trucks is going down the road, and there's mm-hmm. whatever combat with Wonder Woman, and then four four little kids run into a road after a soccer ball, and they are the uh, dusty, old-fashioned children of the Arab yesteryear. Mm -hmm. And Wonder Woman launches a fucking missile and then, like, (laughs) lassos her rope to it, swings down and grabs the children um, in a very terribly uh, done scene where you can tell that the children are dolls and they hit the ground very hard. (laughs) I should watch that again. I love, I love like going frame by frame and being like, oh yeah. It's uh, it's so badly done. Um, Her, her eyes are so dead, but regardless you have, you have, um, this white savior um, motif, but to top it off, Gal Gadot being Israeli, being Zionist, mm-hmm. and being in the IDF, people mm-hmm. can't help but see the parallel to um, what was it a shooting in 2014 um, yes. that killed a number of uh, young children who were just playing soccer, Palestinian children who were playing soccer. Um, this seems like a very direct parallel um, to that. But then the former IDF soldier saves them. So in, in 2014, she's notorious for that, that post that she made um, around yes. this time in 2014 in which she, you know, um, is, is, is saying like, Oh, you know, like how can, how can, you know, I support Israel. I support all our brave troops fighting, fighting out there to, 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 to protect our country. Um, hashtag IDF. Like how could these like horrible people, you know, use human shields and, and, you know, kill women and children or, or whatever. Um, yeah. Around, around that time. I think, I think that was a 2014 post if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah, she doesn't, she doesn't really hide her, her involvement and, and sort of, support for um the idea oh yeah not at all um because i would feel very different about gal like when it comes to being like born in israel you can't help that you don't ask for that it's a mandatory Um, conscription for for most people like i I think i read like somewhere like 20 percent are able to get out of it for different reasons but Mm -hmm. yeah for the most part like yeah you know you're you're young you're a kid you get conscripted like it's it sucks but you know what are you gonna do um, I try very, very hard not to judge people, um, A, for being born in Israel. I can't judge them for that. Also, sure. having been in the IDF or, like, on the other hand, for American um, Americans, like, doing birthright um, or something like that. It, it's, but if she were to ha- speak out uh, against the Israeli government, speak out against Zionism, do any single little thing to support a Palestinian person, uh, I wouldn't hate her so much. But she is not. She has done no. nothing. But you know, she's she says she didn't do much in the IDF, which fine, whatever. But she was in it. She continues to support it. She continues to support Israel. She has no critiques and is doing nothing for the Palestinian people. So um, 
garbage. She's also supposed to play Cleopatra in an upcoming movie. I've heard about this. Yeah. Yep. 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 That's continued garbage. That's fascinating. You know, I feel like, and and especially in an environment where like, um, you know, the, the, the sort of, at least the sort of basic idea of casting, um, a, a, a white person as a person of Mm -hmm. color has come under fire over and over. Yeah. You'd think that, that a PR firm for, you know, a a blockbuster film that's going to be about Cleopatra would be like, all right, well, we have to at least find a person of color. Like we could still be orientalist or racist in all these other ways that (laughs) people, people like haven't gotten super mad at us yet about, but like at least, but no, they're, they're not even there yet. Yeah. I don't, it's, it's, that's wild. And I think Gal Gadot lives in a funny gray area in people's minds uh, because Israel is considered by Americans part of the Middle East. Uh, sure. Yeah. M- most of the Israeli population is not from the Middle East originally, including Gal Gadot. Her yeah, she's Ashkenazi, is European. I yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, and then and then on top of that, the the collective countries that are considered part of the Middle East is uh ridiculous um yeah yeah in that like uh we get sort of um what's the word where we're all made to seem like we are the same um but i guess an important distinction to make here um that i have to talk to people about a lot is that arab is not synonymous with middle eastern uh, and none of it is synonymous with Muslim either. Um, the Arab world consists of a handful of countries that primarily speak Arab. And even within those countries, there are people who do not consider themselves to be Arab. Um, and the Middle East also contains like Persian countries like Iran. Um, and, and, um, like they're just not all one in the same. Um, and, and people just lump us all in together. Um, and that's where you get like a, a confusing casting because someone probably said, well, oh, she's Middle Eastern. She's sure. from Israel. She's going to play an Egyptian queen. Um, <laughs> yeah. and I mean, yeah, like it's, it's all, uh, it's all it's all very complicated. She's, she's from a place that that has palm trees and can see the Mediterranean. Why don't yeah, we put her exactly. in another movie that it you know has palm trees question mark and can kind of see yeah. the Mediterranean? Like yeah, of course. What's um, yeah? What's crazy too is just like hire an Egyptian person. Mm-hmm. They're here. They're like it's a lot of Egyptian people out there. Yeah. And I'm and <laughs> and there are there are casting. There are multiple casting agencies that are specifically for Arab and Middle Eastern actors. Um, so you have like an easy place to go to, but you no. have no excuse. Yeah, is what yeah, it comes down no to. Excuse. There's no real reason not to other. I mean, you know, yeah, that, that's what I mean. Uh, that's something I, I, I have been like thinking about today in preparation for this episode. Like, why? Why not? You know what I mean? Like, what? 
what is the yeah. reason? Because because as you, it, yeah, no, go ahead. Oh, no, as you as you know in your um, uh, uh, in your in your post on um, uh, your Arab Film Institute blog post, uh, it it does it, it it does seem that increasingly diverse casting uh, is economically, you know, and audience wise, mm-hmm. like can only be a good thing, which which makes perfect sense, like intuitively. Um, yeah. So so why there are multiple why reports on the matter? And, yeah, and, and it it makes me it makes me wonder like, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 very confusing to me. It makes me wonder like whose sensibilities the the filmmakers think they're going to offend by casting certain people or not casting certain mm-hmm. people. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, though we know that ultimately, even casting the right type of person for a role does not uh, absolve the film from being racist to even literally that group uh, of people. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, like the casting in Towelhead and some of the casting in Wonder Woman. And if we go back to the example of of the white savior of uh, Wonder Woman swooping in and saving these kids um, from uh, oncoming traffic, essentially, um, Mm -hmm. there there is this this sort of like added detail that I thought was like particularly um, and it particularly like obvious um, that stood out to me at least is that she like she snatches the the dolls <laughs> and then slams them <laughs> on the ground I guess um, yeah. and then she says in Arabic um, she says stay out of the road um, you know or, and and like be safe or something and then kind of pushes them over to her her the the the, the children's parents who mm-hmm. you know it in the it, the scene like you know it lasts like a split second but it 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 clearly implies that these parents are just kind of like too negligent or busy to give a shit about their kids. And that, you know, this sort of like foreign savior of, of wonder woman has to give a shit about these kids for these, um, yeah, these sort of backwards primitive, you know, veiled, uh, Arabs living on this dusty ass road, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, and the two she snatched are the two girls in headscarves. Yes. yes. Yeah. And yeah. and that and that's that is not only not only a sort of stereotype that you know you you see a lot of like the idea of like the East and and the Arab world not valuing life the same way as as the West, but also this sort of idea of of like this white this white feminist idea of like oh well your parents don't care about you because you're girls so because you're mm-hmm. a girl I'll I'll take care of you as an enlightened white person unlike your barbaric. Yeah brown parents you know um let me adopt you so almost um yeah i don't know that scene was very shocking to me it felt like something that i could have seen on an action movie in in the 70s or 80s you know yeah yeah it was really um so blatant um because two of the other two of the stereotypical um female uh sort of stock characters that Dr. Shaheen talks about um, are one of them he refers to as the bundles in black. Um, I think the Arab face website just refers to them as burqa, but um, it's, it's the women uh, in black uh, burqas, niqabs, stuff like that. Um, 
who uh, are subservient, submissive. They're in the background. They're not, they never do anything in films. And, and it's such a common trope that like white women have, uh, assume that any, any woman um, wearing a headscarf or, um, or covering their body like that um, is oppressed. And it's not true. It's not true. It's true in some cases, same as everything. But it's not, it's by and large not true. Uh, and most of the women I've seen in, um, in like the niqabs, uh, you know, the black niqabs, uh, I can see them sporting like blingy osculary underneath it. I know that they are dressed to the nines. <laughs> they, you know, um, and they, they're fine. We don't need Gal Gadot to save them um, or any white woman. Yeah. And then you have the opposite stereotype, which is the belly dancer or the harem girl. And, um, and they, but they suffer from the same idea that they would only dress that way and dance and things like this because they're being forced by men. Um, you know, I, I, <laughs> I have also never seen Star Wars. Everyone can cancel me. Uh, but uh, that, <laughs> no, I think, that I think prince, we're past that, that point. That, that um, Princess Leia, uh, sort of, what is it, like the sleeve outfit? Yeah, I think very, that's what it's called. Like, actually. Yeah, it's very reminiscent of belly dancing costumes. Um, <laughs> and I, Yeah, we could get into yeah. all of the sort of Orientalism in fucking star wars that's a whole yeah um but speaking of the belly dancer um the way belly dancers are depicted in western media is so egregious that um i was talking to my partner about it recently he actually thought that belly dancers were a fictional thing made up by the west because it seemed so egregious to him yeah um like the way well, because and also too, when you grow up and you have um, the, your only sort of uh, understanding of what the Arab world or the Middle East is is uh, war, is terrorism, is you um, is uh, extremist and radical Islam, is images of women in hijabs and or, excuse me, in headscarves. Um, hijab just means it refers to dressing modestly in general um yeah uh and things like that you can't imagine there are people who uh dance and sing and have sex and uh are happy and educated a film i would very highly recommend uh it's called advocate um Mm. I think it might have technically been released in the U.S. this year. Um, But speaking of Israel, um, it is a film, a documentary about a Israeli lawyer, um, an Israeli lawyer who uh, exclusively represents Palestinian people being charged by Israel. Um, and she has this incredibly radical way of thinking 
um, about the quote unquote crimes that these people have committed. She represents these people regardless of whether or not she thinks they did uh, the crime they are accused of um, because her thought process is basically they are uh, being oppressed and everything they're doing is in self-defense. Like if they did throw that rock or shoot that gun or set off that bomb, it is in self-defense against um, against this oppressor, against this. Yeah. Um, and I think that when I watched that, I was, uh, sort of floored by how radical a thought process that is. And I think it ties a lot to what's happened in, in a lot of countries that, yeah, are colonized, push for a revolution. And then, um, you know, end up with radical governments. It's really good. It's it's about her, the lawyer specifically in her life and how she became radicalized in this way and yeah. and, and the work she does for these people. Um, it goes through a couple court cases um, that are happening at the time of filming. Um, but yeah, it's it's online. I know it's on oh, cool. Prime um, and it's on a couple other things. I think probably to rent at this point, not to stream. Um, so something I was going to say since we started talking more about like less about the diaspora and like Arab stereotypes in films. Um, so uh, there are two films, one that came out two years ago and one that is slated to come out. How do I frame this? Um, that are both like very, that take place in, um, Arab world and had the opportunity to possibly be like really good Western representation uh, that are not uh, <laughs> that yeah. I want to mention uh, so we can shame them. The first is a yeah, film for sure. Beirut. Beirut. Uh, Beirut by, directed by uh, Brad Anderson. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I I got so angry watching the trailer. I like saw white. It was bad. Um, and this, Whoa. the film is set in the 1980s. It is about a former U.S. diplomat who is called back into service to save a colleague from the group that is possibly responsible for his own family's death. Meanwhile, a CIA field agent who is working undercover at the American embassy is tasked with keeping Mason alive and ensuring that the mission is a success. So it takes place during the Lebanese Civil War, and um, I have also not watched it because I had such a visceral reaction to the trailer. Um, I was almost going to go see it at Sundance specifically so I could ask the director why in the actual fuck, um, but I (laughs) chickened out. Um, But this film is like... It is not shot in Lebanon. It has not a single Lebanese actor in it. Um, it doesn't even properly use like Lebanese Arab music in the trailer. It uses complete stereotypes um, of that, uh, as well as stereotypical images of brown kids running with toy guns because we are an uncivilized bunch. It's also clearly a... Oh, they also made up an Islamic, a radical Islamist terrorist group that never existed. Um, okay. 
And uh, John Hamm has to go save the Lebanese people who can't save themselves. Oh, no. Um, or no, he has to save his friend from the Lebanese people uh, oh, no. with help from Israel, of course. Oh, um, okay. So I'm, I mentioned this movie, A, because I, I, it makes me so fucking angry. And also, um, I like feel personally attacked by a film called Beirut being sure. um, so much about America. <laughs> uh, and there's another movie with a similar name coming out called Aleppo. Um, <laughs> yeah, that is a similar name. It is uh, the name of a city in Syria, another yeah. country I'm from. And um, yeah, I guess, yeah, it hasn't come out yet. So that's why I can't find. Oh, yeah, there it is. It's star. It will be starring. It has not released yet. Uh, Olivia Munn. Okay. Uh, classic, um, uh, a classic Syrian actress. <laughs> Luckily, she's not playing Syrian at the very, very least. And I say at the absolute very least. Um, she is supposed to play a UN journalist, which is a job that does not exist. Uh, yeah. who, <laughs> and it tells the story of two Syrian refugee brothers, I guess, who get connected with her and she helps them escape from Syria. So, yet again, another. I don't know about what the rest of the movie is going to look like, um, but we've already got a white savior narrative here. Yeah. Um, and I did uh, see as well. Let me make sure I get her name right. There is a um, an Arab film collective called uh, Habibi Collective. Um, they're based in the UK, if I am not mistaken um second i have to i'm bad at remembering names so i want to make sure i get it right um of course i'm not gonna well so the woman who runs who who started who founded um bb collective oh yeah i don't know if i'm gonna be able to pronounce her name right um she's irish iraqi um, and I think her first name is Irish, <laughs> which oh, no. in my experience is very difficult to uh, pronounce. So I'm just gonna, I feel like Irish is one of those like languages that like you can try as hard as you want and you're not even going to get close. Yeah. Um, I took one <laughs> hour of Gaelic classes, um, in Ireland. Okay. So I believe her name is Roisin. Taponi, Taponi. Um, she is really incredible, um, extremely knowledgeable about Arab film. And she shamed this film because the casting director, or someone in casting, reached out to her to ask her to help find Syrian actors for this film. First of all, she's not Syrian. She's Irish-Iraqi. Uh, second of all, they didn't, uh, they weren't going to compensate her and oh, yeah. And they, and she's also doesn't work in casting. She works in <laughs> academia. Yeah. <laughs> she's a curator, programmer, and archivist. Um, Will you be a free casting director because yeah. you are Arab and that's You it. are Arab. Yeah. 
And <laughs> like that, that gives me very little. I mean, I already was not in support of the movie, but that gives me very little hope about where it's going. Um, of course. So, yeah. So if you're trying to watch some, some media that, uh, you know, is about the Arab world and support Arab people, uh, these are films I would not watch. <laughs> um, yeah. There are honestly very few, in my experience, uh, films from the U.S. Uh, with nuanced representations of Arab people. Um, there are some, I also have a blog post about this, about it's a, a post about what to watch for Arab American heritage month. Um, yeah, they're mostly documentaries, uh, but there is one narrative film on there that I absolutely love. It's called America. It's about a Palestinian single mother and her son who come to America. Um, and, uh, also the, the, TV show, Hulu show, uh, Rami is a really good, um, representation by and about an Egyptian American. Um, but otherwise what I would recommend to the listeners, if they're actually interested in supporting Arab people in film and media and learning about Arab people through film and media and making sure they're watching like nuanced uh, and accurate representations of our stories is to actually watch Arab film um, by Arab filmmakers from Arab countries. Uh, you know, not everything's perfect, um, but it is a lot better to, to start there. Uh, than to go to a film called Beirut or Aleppo in hopes that <laughs> that will be that kind of thing. Um, yeah. But um, I also wanted to encourage, like, I feel like Arab representation and Islamophobia, which are not one and the same, but are closely tied, are not, like, talked about a lot in the general media. I think because um, the U.S. is so aggressively anti-Arab and anti-Muslim, especially after 9-11. The U.S. government is so closely tied to Hollywood specifically. I think you um, pointed out something in in the notes we have. Yeah. The pre-show notes um, about the the Koch brothers being uh, big investors into... um, into Hollywood, into specifically, what was it, the Rat Pack Dune Entertainment, yeah. um, which up until a few years ago, I believe, uh, worked with Warner Brothers and did the first Wonder Woman, and they are incredibly rich and incredibly conservative. Uh, absolutely. Um, and and not a fr- like notoriously, famously not afraid to throw around their money in ways mm-hmm. uh, that they know will curry influence with, with politics and, and uh, uh, environmental groups, et cetera. Like their, their yeah. whole thing is, is, is influencing public opinion, you know, and, mm-hmm. and influencing politics in a way that will advance their incredibly right-wing conservative interests. Yeah. Um, 
and yeah, they've and then, been they've been silent investors apparently, which is even yeah. which makes me even more suspicious of like what, um, you know what's what control they have over like the content of the movies that they're investing in, you know? Yeah, um, and and who else has control? You know, absolutely. It, um, and then also let's not forget that the Department of Defense uh, works with a lot of productions especially the superhero movies yes Um, yes yes yeah Um, i mean essentially they'll just they'll sort of write blank checks to uh these films uh and and you know fund them on the condition that they like make the u.s military look good you know and um you know and and then you know if, if 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 you do that you write that into the script you change this this little thing will, you know, will give you a bunch of aircraft carriers to blow up, you know, mm-hmm. like it is, it's, yeah. it's a, a total quid pro quo. It's wild. Yeah. We'll give you uh, um, some sort of military aircraft and like correct costumes and shit. Um, so, so, so basically what I'm trying to say is if you, I, I would, I feel like this is what, there's a lot of, uh, stereotyping bad representation and misrepresentation of marginalized communities in Hollywood and Western film at large. Um, I do think the representation of Arabs and Muslims flies heavily under the radar. Um, the same way, like the Russians are often the bad guys. It's the Arabs are always the bad guys and people don't even notice it. Um, and I, a, like a yeah. switch, like uh, after the fall of the Berlin Wall, right? We're supposed to, yeah. We were, we were all of a sudden supposed to like not really fear the Eastern Europeans and the Russians as much because they all wanted to be nice capitalists like us, and that's why they, <laughs> the, the Soviet Union fell and they took down the wall and shit. Yeah. Uh, so you know they can't be the bad guys anymore. So the new bad guys in like the you know early early nineties to now became mm-hmm. became. Um, you know, first just sort of like vague uh, Arab terrorists. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and um, I'm trying to think of like 90s action movies. That, yeah, I feel like Palestinian terrorists specifically yeah. were, were in a lot of films. And then and then more recently, um, we're looking toward closer to like Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan, ISIS type. Yes, um, ISIS. Yeah. Um, so where, wherever the current sort of like um, um, the psychosis, the fear at the at the heart of the American people, wherever that's pointing yeah. at the moment, like those are probably going to be the mm-hmm. the bad dudes uh, in in the movies. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like in the eighties, nineties too, you saw Lebanese terrorists because yes. everyone is afraid sure. of their civil war. Absolutely, uh, yes, a lot of lot a lot of Lebanese terrorists. Yeah. Um, um, so I just want to like I know we've been talking for a long time, so I yes. just like <laughs> want whoever is listening to this to, to hopefully like look at films, um, especially action movies where this is the most generally the most egregious with a little bit uh, more nuance um, and also to engage with Arab film. Um, something good that happened last year was Parasite winning so many Oscars. It brought up a conversation about, how little uh, <laughs> Americans often care or think about uh, films from other countries. And um, I hate to break it to everyone 
American film and especially Hollywood is not the uh, is not the best film film. These are not the best films being made in the world. <laughs> um, they're very rich um, legacies of cinema all over the world, not in every country. They haven't all had the time or space or resources to um, to create an industry. Um, but yeah, like watch some Arab movies, watch some Korean movies, watch some like some Brazilian movies, watch some stuff that you've never seen before. Like truly my takeaway from this is less about <laughs> Arabs and more about fuck Hollywood. Yeah. Um, I, I work within the American film system, um, industry and, um, even indie film is highly disappointing in my yeah opinion it is um a lot better it's a lot more likely um to have diversity and nuance and things like that but it is not also Beirut was not a studio film it was an independent film it was released by Bleecker Street so don't be (laughs) right independence can be big budget as well um but yeah I just I really I, I i want people to expand their horizons and then also be critical of the media that they're watching now um in some other ways that they might not normally be arabs are not often in the uh public conversation mostly because our government is doing a lot is doing the most to make you hate them um or just not think about them there's a lot of us being background yeah uh, in these films as well. I, you know, I, like I mentioned, I work for the Arab film and media Institute, um, which is currently, uh, based in the Bay area, but is becoming, uh, more connected to the country, um, with, uh, with us going more digital. Um, so I really encourage people to check it out. I write the blog, the cinema Yet blog. Um, and yeah, do some more deep dives into representation, stereotypes, histories of certain industries. I make a lot of listicles, if that is a helpful thing to you. I have lists of queer Arab films, of Arab American films, of, uh, you know, women in Arab films, stuff like that. So that rolls. Um, yeah, absolutely. Check that out. Um, I'll have, uh, links in the description, um, to the blog that you uh, write for and um, anything else. Um, where, where can people like find you um, or anything else you'd like to plug? Is there any anything, anything you want to give a shout out to? Um, anything else that we might have missed? Sure. Um, yeah, so if you want, so the um, Arab Film and Media website is arabfilminstitute.org. Um, and you can find them on social media at Arab. Yeah, it's, uh, we changed our name a few years ago. So, um, me too. Yeah, because it was just the Arab <laughs> <laughs> Film Festival and now it's the Arab Film and Media Institute. So, it's Arab Film Media on social media, um, I believe on all platforms. Uh, if you want to follow me, I don't know why, but you are Do welcome it. to. Do it. <laughs> I'm on Instagram at Satan's School for Girls. Uh, One of the best handles around. Um, And I'm on Twitter at Yazit, Y-A-Z-I-E-T. 
And since we're talking film, uh, follow me on Letterboxd. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, I'm at Yasmina T. It's Y-A-S-M-I-N-A-T. A lot of these listicles that I make for AFMI, um, they are on the AFMI or they're starting to be more on the AFMI Letterboxd. Um, but there is some legacy stuff that uh, I've made into lists on Letterboxd. Um, so lots of resources uh, slash you can judge my weird film <laughs> watching. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Here, I'm going to, I'm going to plug my letterbox too. My, I'm, I'm yeah. Rena Ramon on, on Letterboxd. Uh, fo- follow me. It's, it's mad embarrassing. Um, and I'm still <laughs> figuring out how to use it, but I, it's letterbox is, is pretty sick. Like I'm, I'm, I'm mostly pretty into it. Um, yeah, it's a, I have found it to be a really, um, actually a really cool place to find new stuff. Yeah. Me, like, me too. Yeah. Just on that front page where it's like, this is what's popular with your friends. Um, yeah. And, and all, and the lists and stuff I, I find very helpful as well for myself because I am a list maker, but also <laughs> looking at other people's lists. Um, yeah. We use it a lot for our horror night that we have. Fuck um, yeah. You're not invited. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, cool. I think, uh, I think yeah, I'm going to wrap this episode up. Um, yeah. Classic. Thanks for having me. Oh my God. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, we definitely, we definitely got to talk movies again. This was really fun and yeah. uh, important and um, yeah, it's, it's great. Um, you know, uh, Always down. Uh, amazing. Um <laughs> You know, uh, if you're listening to this to, for some reason, you know, uh, uh, rate and subscribe and all that shit. Um, uh, you know, tell tell your friends to listen to a bunch of weirdos talk about stuff. Um, uh, thanks for listening and see you whenever I do this again. Bye. Bye.